0: the podcast about food history, food culture, and food present. Fuck yeah. Presents. Food presents. Don't cut on the show. (laughs) There's no cutting on the show.
1: I, I didn't mean to.
0: So today we are talking about One of my personal favorites, cheese. And I know that I love it all. I love all of the foods, but cheese is one of my favorites. Cheese is
1: definitely one of the top things. Mm -hmm. Like, I I think everybody loves a good cheese. I don't think it's very difficult to find a good cheese.
0: I'm going to be covering the history and cultural context of cheese. And David is going to be touching on the specific varieties of cheeses, some of which we tasted in a cheese tasting. Did we not? We did. Okay. (laughs)
1: we did five cheeses uh all different kinds and then uh in each cheese i'm going to talk about the notes the dairy and the process
0: and we tried to kind of we were doing our cheese tasting and selecting our cheeses for this we tried to have a variety of milks
1: yeah
0: um and different processes to kind of touch and in different regions i think as well Which was great. Yeah,
1: we wanted a a wide variety for this.
0: Absolutely. So cheese is one of my favorite things. It's one of my mother's favorite things. It's one of my sister's favorite things. Uh, Love of cheese runs in our family. I know that um, my dad loves a good blue cheese. Oh, yeah. And that's delicious. Um, One of my personal favorites is I like a good triple cream brie.
1: Oh, yeah. Any of
0: them triple creams uh mount tam makes a delicious triple cream uh how about you where's cheese how did you grow up with cheese oh i
1: grew up with cheddar cheese yeah yeah i don't really i remember getting some spice some cheese with spices in it like pepper jack oh yeah swiss i didn't really hear about those until subway
0: i mean i grew up you know cheese balls with the almonds on the outside for christmas not me so just you know like as Americans, we have kind of a shallow pool of knowledge and understanding of cheese, and I think like kind of this heightened cheese culture in the United States is relatively modern.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: So I'll kind of start with um, so the production of cheese predates recorded history, right? Which is kind of cool. It's a really early process of uh, milk preservation, and it happened largely by accident. So it happened because people were transporting milk. Um, in bladders that they had made of ruminant stomachs. So a ruminant, um, they're cows, hmm. right? Or something like a cow. Yeah,
1: like a goat uh, or whatever.
0: hmm yeah. So, and the, the issue was cheese happens because in the cow of a ruminant, it has rennet. So rennet is actually a complex set of enzymes that's produced in the stomachs of calves or little little baby goats, And this helps mammals to digest their mother's milk. So, this rennet though will also separate milk into solid curds, and this is how we start the cheese making process, separating the curds from the liquid whey. Okay. The important thing uh, to have cheese, we must have dairy. I know that there are vegan cheeses out there. Yeah. That's that's not what they are. Are They're not, they're not a true cheese. They're great. But they are not a true cheese,
1: and those are mostly what would they be made out of? Mostly nuts, uh, nut milks. Okay, usually
0: yeah, cashew I think yeah. is a big one of choice. So to have cheese, we must have dairy. Uh, buffalo milk, goat's milk, sheep's milk, and cow's mm. milk are some of the most popular. Yeah, and there's no real evidence, solid evidence in terms of historical data of where cheese started. Um, it kind of just started everywhere, all around of... similar times. Okay, so not, and I would say everywhere, but not necessarily everywhere. So Europe. Um, yeah. Central Asia, Middle East, and the, Su- the Saharan region yeah. is kind of where we start to see cheese kind of just start to happen. And it's really hard to, you know, to say when someone made the mistake or discovered, oh, hey, if I transport this milk yeah. in this bladder, I get curds. They're not bad. Yeah. Right? Cheese making was well known in Europe um, at the earliest level of Hellenic myth. So according to Pliny the Elder who was a mythical person, I'm assuming. Uh, Cheese became a sophisticated (laughs) enterprise at the start of the ancient Rome era. So I imagine a bunch of Romans were hipsters, and cheese making became this uh, fancy thing you did to impress friends. During the ancient Rome era, foreign cheeses were a really big deal, and so they were shipped and transported to Rome to satisfy the taste of the social elite. The rich folks liked them good cheeses, and they started to get them from kind of all over.
1: Yeah, because that that was like early, early globalization.
0: Global marketplaces, yeah. yeah. So uh, shards of pottery pierced with holes were found in pile dwellings, which is an early Mm. kind of dwelling, that are hypothesized to be cheese strainers. What? So if you have your curd in your way, it gets separated by the rennet that's in the animal stomach bladder that you're carrying your milk around in yeah in order to separate those two things in order to make a cheese you have to have a strainer so there's evidence that they were making early clay strainers um they are of the Urnfield culture on lake new in germany Hmm. i know that i'm saying it wrong (laughs) um and it dates back to 6000 bc that's pretty cool we know you know we've both been to germany my sister lives in germany yeah the cheeses in Germany are quite amazing. On point. On point. So it's really Pretty cool to know that you know, there are some very early origins of cheese yeah. in that area. Cheese really largely became a big deal for preservation purposes. Obviously it started by pressing and, and seasoning the curdled milk. And dairy, like the, the process of having a dairy, dairying, right, I yeah. guess that's a verb. Um, existed yeah. around four thousand BC, and the grasslands of the Sahara is where we really see that. So it's it's very possible that that is the first place oh. in the grasslands of the Sahara. But a lot of times, you would have uh, hard salted cheeses would be your best method of preservation. Oh, so think like kind of a Parmesan or yeah. a Manchego or something that really is a hard. A hard cheese, what yeah. we consider to be a hard cheese. So the reason why they would they would have done hard salted cheeses in the Sahara, because it's the only form in which milk can really be kept in a hot climate. Um, it was a way of kind of keeping the calcium in your diet and the dairy in your diet and using something yeah. that you would have if you had you know dairy animals around. Without
1: taking the dairy animals with you.
0: Yeah, and also, yeah. you know, you don't have milk available year-round. It's a way of preserving yeah. it for the winter. But because it's hot, soft cheeses would spoil. Oh, oh yeah. It is interesting. So, cheeses produced in Europe, where climates were much cooler than in the Middle East, required less salt for preservation. So, think like feta versus mozzarella. Ooh, yeah, yeah. A very salty cheese versus a yeah. cheese that has very little it's salt.
1: Like, stays in a brine.
0: Mm-hmm. So, with less salt and less acidity, cheese became a suitable environment for microbes and mold. Ooh. And this is when we started to see aged cheeses, and we started seeing different kinds of aged cheeses. So really what I found in my evidence or in my research was um, that there's a lot of evidence that climate determines the cheese. So you think of mm. the texture and see if you can imagine where the cheese may have originated. Wow. Yeah. So if you had something really um, hard and very salty, you would think that it would be at a much drier climate.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Or is
0: something much softer, like a brie. Or, you know, a fresh goat cheese even. Like, yeah. that that had to be eaten very quickly. And it had to be eaten in a cool climate yeah. where you could store it without it spoiling. So, by Roman times, cheese making was an art, right? And it became a very common food group in the Roman Empire. Um, however, most cheeses were initially recorded, officially recorded, in the Middle Ages. Um, cheddar. So, cheddar was recorded around 1500 CE. Parmesan was founded... In 1597. What? Whoa. Gouda in 1697.
1: Oh,
0: geez. Camembert in 1790. So
1: cheeses
0: became such a big deal that they, be- they became kind of official in one capacity. Yeah. Being recorded as being of a sp- very specific variety of a very specific strain of yeah. bacteria. So cheeses further diversified in Europe. Um, depending on where you lived in different villages would have their own traditions and their own products. Um, romanized populations encountered unfamiliar neighbors and they began to start sharing cheese making traditions and cheese making techniques so like through trade and through um, the movement of societies the movements of people we began to share the knowledge we had of cheese and kind of changing the cheese landscape yeah so um cheese making in monasteries became very uh very popular and intensified local characteristics So you would have very specific local bacteria and very specific uh, local flora that would be kind of managed by these monks in caves.
1: That's some of the first science experiments Mm happened.
0: And these people had, you know, they had time. Yeah. And so it became a hobby. I think um, a lot of our blue cheeses have some origins and... Yeah. caves. And, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember.
1: And <laughs> our, a lot of biology science was invented by monks doing the sweet pea mm-hmm. or genetics.
0: So today, Britain has 15 protected cheeses. So hmm. it's become such a big deal that different strains are protected. One second, got to drink some water. And by water, I mean whiskey. Britain has 15 protected cheeses from approximately 40 types listed by the British Cheese Board. Whoa. Uh-huh. The British Cheese Board claims a total of 700 different british cheese projects uh france has 50 protected cheeses italy has 46 spain has 26 um and france has at least 1800 raw milk cheese products alone and 50 of which are protected so when i say the i say protected Uh i mean like you can't call it this cheese unless it came from this area. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Parmesan isn't a true Parmesan unless it came from that region.
1: Get your shit together, Parmesan.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a fun quote. Late French general and statesman, Charles de Gaulle, once asked, how can you govern a country in which there are 246 different kinds of cheese? Well, you just... You make more grilled cheeses. Yeah. I think.
1: You start mixing cheeses together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so until it's modern spread, along with European culture, cheese was nearly unheard of in Oriental cultures. I hate saying that, but that's what Wikipedia yeah. said. Again, okay. I don't understand why it says. And, A- and the Asian continent, let's say that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And pre-Columbian Americas. So because they didn't have what? Dairy. Yeah. It wasn't such a huge food group for whatever reason wasn't such a big deal they Mm -hmm. didn't have this kind of culture of cheese making
1: yeah india's got kind of a cheese culture
0: it does so it's really kind of focused more on like you know where china and japan
1: yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, it's not really like asian countries (laughs) it's more just like cultures that don't value dairy or use utilize dairy
0: that's very true yeah so the very first factory, though, for the industrial production of cheese, which really kind of helped cheese to spread even further, because it's one thing if you're having monks make it, it makes it expensive. Yeah. But to really make it um, approachable for a lot of different people, industrial- the, the process of of industrialization is really important. The first um, industrial production of cheese was in Switzerland in 1815, Whoa. which is actually surprisingly late. Yeah. I'm surprised. Um uh, the large-scale production, though, found really found real success in, in where? The U.S.? Yeah. Because <laughs> we like our mass-produced...
1: We love it.
0: ...items. Yeah. So uh, it it all started with Jesse Williams, a dairy farmer from Rome, New York, began hmm. making cheese in an assembly-line fashion, using all the milk from neighboring farms. Huh. And it was so popular that it quickly became a thing. And then to further popularize cheese... Uh, Factory-made cheeses overtook traditional-made cheeses in World War II in the U.S. So, let's say that's when American cheese was invented. During times of shortage, Mm -hmm. using milk powders and different binders, we came up with the mild cheddars. Okay, yeah. Which is the saddest of the cheese world. (laughs) It's the most depressing. (laughs) And we've been in the cheese dark ages for a while here in the United States. Yeah. Um, but today, Americans is starting to change. So Americans used to purchase more processed cheese than real cheese, uh, made in factories. But, but they've seen a really significant change within the last ten to twenty years. You see a lot of um, rogue creamy. Rogue Creamery is a really great example. Oh yeah. So cheeseries that have kind of modernized themselves yeah. and be kind of you know. In Tillamook. hmm Tillamook cheese. Tillamook's got their, which is...
1: some of their aged cheddars that are actually really good.
0: Um, to do a quick shout out to By George and oh, Applegate yeah. Valley
1: absolutely
0: they use Jersey cows to mm. make some really amazing cheeses we've had a lot of really yeah. great cheese US cheese um, from kind of small scale dairies which kind of goes with that whole like you know farm to fork movement that has really kind of yeah taken off in the last 10 years so that's a good thing to see mm-hmm. that trend changing and I know that there's a lot of um different cheese movements in yeah. the US alone I think um we really enjoy going to venissimo where we can try cheeses from all over the world yeah and that's a local cheese shop in san diego Mm -hmm. and it's amazing
1: and that's actually where we got our cheeses for our tasting
0: which was so fun and i suggest everyone go and do this you go to a place i know that whole foods has a really great cheese counter if you're really nervous and you can't make a good decision A lot of cheese places will have tiny samples or tiny end pieces in the fridge where you can buy a cheese you have no idea if it's gonna be good or not for like a buck eighty. And if it sucks, it sucks. If you like it, you like it. You write the name down and you get it again. And it's a really great way of kind of expanding your cheese palette.
1: Yeah, just trying things out, seeing seeing what you like, what you don't.
0: Exposing your gut to new flora from different cheese varieties. So that's kind of my outline of of cheese history and cultural context of it. I know that locally we've seen a lot of like uh, gourmet grilled cheese places yeah, in Southern they, California. They, yeah,
1: grilled cheese sandwiches are which, popping up like, everywhere.
0: That's amazing. That's a it's gift. It's delicious. That's a gift to society. Yeah.
1: Cheese smothered in between two pieces of bread cooked in fat. It's amazing. Like you can't go wrong with that.
0: So let's talk about these cheeses that we tried, David.
1: So in our cheese tasting, we did, like I had mentioned before, we've done five cheeses, and they were all from different areas. We tried to get as very varied in our, our cheese ta- choosings as possible. Um, in terms
0: so, of uh, milk and style. Yeah,
1: just like anything we could find. So we went for, like, densities and softness and milks. So cheese number one was a Gruyere Gormino. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's a raw milk made from cow's milk. The farms generally feed cows sun-dried hay in the winter, and sun-dried they just eat hay. off of grass. Oh. Yeah, they eat uh, eat grass during the the rest of the times. Uh, Gruyere is a eighteen month process. It has a dark brown rind and crumbly. And uh, I couldn't find anything about the process about this.
0: That's great.
1: But some of the notes that. Uh, were in this cheese um had tiny micro crystals in it
0: which is a sign of a really good cheese yeah yeah, yeah. little crunchy yeah, little cringy yeah cringy cringy it was cheese.
1: so good uh it was grassy buttery uh melted quickly and i thought it was like a dry cheese
0: yeah it has a almost really, like
1: a parmesan but
0: almost like a really nice finish that goes really well with uh anything melty like i yeah. really like doing a grilled cheese and adding a little bit of gruyere and this gruyere gourmino was epic it was, it was so, was so good. good yeah yeah
1: i mean all of these cheeses were really good but that one i i really like gourmino they're just kind of like they're meaty they're cheese number two <gasps> this, is, the
0: this is this
1: yeah this is the mimolette via yay i don't I'm assuming eh. that's how you say it. I'm sure it's wrong.
0: Mimolette is the best.
1: But it was, it was bright orange. It's It was harder than the Gruyere.
0: Much harder, yeah.
1: It's smoky, pasty, um, dry as well, but it's super dense.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, intensely fruit and nutty. Uh, very popular with beer.
0: I think when we were in Germany and we did a cheese tasting, mm-hmm. I believe we had a mimolette. Yeah. I and mean, you'll know a mimolet because of the char- characteristic. Uh, it's super orange.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's Dutch-inspired French cheese, Hmm. uh, generally matured for six months at a minimum. It has a really high fat content, and its color comes from ananato, a tropical fruit from South America, specifically for color.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Um, It
1: adds a little bit to the flavor, but not enough for it to like...
0: Um, Creameries, I think is what you call them. Um, I like uh, Jersey cow milk. Or Guernsey cow milk because it has a really high fat content.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about the fat content in some of these milks versus like in the Gruyere. The memolette is also made from the dairy of a cow. Cow's milk? Yes, also known as cow's milk.
0: Hmm.
1: Thank you. So the Mimolet comes from uh, Normandy. Uh, that's yeah. It's in yeah. France, but Normandy's like the uh, northern, eastern tip.
0: It's a region. To so
1: the people who invaded England, the in Normans, 1010. Yep. So what's what's interesting about this, I would say, is more than the or- bright orange color, is the rind itself of this cheese. I had no idea, and I am so grossed out that I ate some of this rind. Because I was like, yeah, the, you're supposed to eat the rind because it's more intense, so you can smell and taste the cheese all at the On same time. On hard
0: cheeses, I, here's a, uh, here's a quick tip for everyone before we get into the grossness of the mimolette. Yeah. Save your rinds, your hard rinds, for your hard cheeses. Put them in the freezer, and you can add them to a stock, or you can add them to cream to make a cheese sauce.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea.
0: So let's find out why mimolette rind is so icky.
1: So the Mimolette rind has this gray uh, rind. Uh, it's very unique, and that's because they use this specific kind of mite that lives off of the cheese, uh, that lives on the surface of this Mimolette.
0: Only on the surface of this one. cheese. Yeah, just
1: just on the on the.
0: Somebody figured this out. Yeah, and I don't harnessed know this. How they figured this out? And registered this cheese, and it's a thing, and it's yeah, been around for I like at least yeah. hundred years. <sighs>
1: Yeah. Okay. So, it, yeah, because it dates back to Louis Fourteenth. Wow. Not that long ago, but quite a... Like, honestly, it's a long time ago. hmm So the gray matter is the mite poop and casings left by the mites.
0: Hey, maybe that's protein.
1: Oh, I'm sure it is. Like, maybe a really small amount. It's a
0: little icky, though, for reals.
1: It's gross. But, I mean, they, they clean it <laughs> off, but there's, like, there's some articles out there about them trying to get it... Uh, outlawed here in the u.s because it comes from cheese mites
0: no yeah
1: yeah and it's like come on guys
0: but listen cheese is because of bacteria and really bacteria are just even smaller mites
1: it's just like like solidified we just have to socially
0: get over it yeah it's cheese is bacteria farts yeah no that's not true uh leavening is that's what yeast is yeast farts when you have a really nice cushy piece of bread (laughs) it's yeast farts all right. Moving on.
1: Cheese number 3. Ooh. It's the goo Uh it's spelled G U B B. This is the Irish cheese. Yeah, G U B B E E N. It's an Irish cheese. Ooh. Um so it good. comes from cows as well. And the the farmers say on this, uh there's only one cow, one cheese.
0: Ooh, that's So one so
1: like a Jersey cow makes only one kind of cheese? So yeah. these cows that they use, they take them very seriously. They, they take really good care of them. They feel like they're the only kind of, they're only making goo cheese. So the notes on this were, were mushrooms, nuts, bog, forest floor,
0: and by boggy, you kind of you're yeah. referencing peat moss. I think. Peat
1: moss, yeah. We've,
0: we we tried a really really great uh it a Scotch Ardbeg.
1: It was uh, an
0: Ardbeg Scotch that was smoked with peat moss, which mm-hmm. is usually found in bogs. And so like it's really nice to be able to remember that flavor. Yeah. And have that it's very earthy, very pungent, but very mm-hmm. earthy flavor.
1: And that's actually how we're finding all of these bog people too, is because they're <laughs> using the bog to make <laughs> Scotch. <laughs>
0: Maybe yeah I mean, that's a good I think you should I think you should just take that further Get your doctor written that I, like I should that. have oh, that's good
1: um, um it's also it's a very pungent uh, yeah, I remember it being
0: fruit. very pungent and mm-hmm. you say rotten fruit I think that um when you think of a pungent cheese, some people yeah. turn their nose about pungent cheese, but you kind of have to remember that the smell of the cheese is also a part of the of the process but is often not a whole lot like how the cheese actually tastes
1: no no because you you taste it the smell backwards
0: exactly yeah exactly amazing so when you smell a stinky cheese give it a try because it often does not taste the way that it smells
1: no it it tastes delicious Mm -hmm. (laughs) so this this farm uh is in ireland and you can actually see the videos of the farm at g-u-b-b-e-e-n.com
0: oh cool Um,
1: and this is a it's called a tripled layered bloom cheese which is it's a triple cream so Mm -hmm. each cream that they're adding has different yeasts
0: it's a softer cheese
1: so there's they're mixing uh, different processes together over a period of like Mm -hmm. three days Hmm. so that's what makes it a triple cream
0: nice that's very cool Mm -hmm. so on to our fourth cheese
1: cheese number four this is a Spanish cheese from, oh, I remember
0: this one. Mercia
1: in southeast, um, and it comes in a log form, mm. um, and you wrap it up in in ropes, and it's got these little divots on the side. Um, yeah, you would
0: kind of wrap it and hang it, similar to mm-hmm. how you would with a sausage, and yeah. it, it kind of comes across as like a a roll, like a goat cheese roll. So unlike some of the cheeses we talked about before that are harder cheeses that usually come in a much larger wheel, and you slice off from that wheel, typically encased in, like, wax. I know mimbolets encased yeah. in wax sometimes once mm-hmm. it's reached the end of its process. This uh, canade cabra,
1: yeah. canade Spanish cabra. cheese,
0: is just this beautiful, you can actually see the different layers yeah. in the cheese. Yeah, you can got, you like, that... this lovely kind of, like, traditional goat cheese mm-hmm. center, you got this very, like, nice ring on the outside of a, yeah. kind of a softer cheese. yeah. Um, and then you have the rind, which was a lot like a brie.
1: Yeah, and it was a thick rind.
0: It was. It wasn't yeah. crazy thick, but it was much thicker no. than the traditional brie. Yeah. Yeah,
1: thicker than like uh, because they they that that different size. So mm-hmm. like that that off white, and then it goes into the middle as the white. That's considered the rind.
0: Oh, very interesting. Yeah. So it so actually the rind has a surprisingly is, thick. Yeah. Is is actually clear through to the center of the cheese. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, and it's it's very soft, pure white, it was super white, except yeah. for like you know, very the, very bright. They're... I
0: would say a lot of the the cheeses before. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with what the animal is eating
1: mm. as well. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Um, but it was a very bright white cheese. It's yeah, very beautiful.
1: And like some of the the notes were were spring flowers and mm. honey. It has a great texture, super smooth, and it's like citrusy and considered a mild cheese.
0: Oh, it was so delicious. Yeah. And I think that when we were eating it, we were eating it with fruit. I know peaches, there's a really great way of yeah. eating it with it. Pears are great. Um, if you're lucky and you've got like a nice mm. gastric with you. Yeah. Um, or like apricots are really good. Yeah. So.
1: They're in season right now.
0: Toasted hazelnuts, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Oh, and this is a goat cheese. It so, is a goat cheese, and they yeah. they talk about in the notes like some of these notes these spring flowers, mm-hmm. a lot of the times that's because that's what the animal is eating. So they're eating these like really delicate, bright, like beautiful flowers on the on the side of the hills.
0: And and what the animal eats um, has a huge effect on how the milk tastes. And yeah. so specific cheeses will have animals specific kinds of dairy, right? So you get your cow and your buffalo and your goat and your sheep. But it's also really important about when. They're being milked. What yeah. season it is, um, yeah. what they're eating. Right. So we talked about um, sun-dried hay versus eating wildflowers yeah. and eating fresh grasses. You'll end up with a very different flavor in the beginning, which, through using different bacteria and yeasts, you can transform into something that yeah. has a ton of different volatiles.
1: Yeah, the the becomes grou-
0: highly complex.
1: The Gruyere versus the the Mimolette, just yeah. like what those animals are eating.
0: Same. Yeah.
1: Sun-dried hay versus Same base, but yeah. totally different yeah. flavor.
0: Brought, yeah, in the very end.
1: And then our final cheese, number five, was the Mineshaft Blue, which is amazing.
0: And so, for a long time, I think that I really, I tend to prefer, uh really like the Crater Lake Blue or the Oregon yeah. Blue from the Rogue Creamery, which is like amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I was very nervous about trying a... Different blue that wasn't an Oregon blue. But yeah. I did say that oh, I that's, was. Yes,
1: it's exciting because this is why they're different.
0: I was super happy about Mineshaft Blue. Yeah. It was one of the best blues I've had in a long time.
1: So, the reason, I'll talk about the process more first. So, the reason why blue cheeses are. This, this particular blue cheese is, is made in a gold mine shaft. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in Shaft Cheese Company in Cedar Ridge, California, and it was founded by Jack Gibson. Um, so the, the blue cheese is stored in an abandoned gold mine, um, that, and eventually it was transformed into an aging facility. And the reason why the blue cheese are being put into these mine shafts is because they're picking up all the minerals and like uh, smells that are naturally found in this mine shaft. So like as an organ example, you have different minerals in mm-hmm. caves and different reasons for those caves so that you're going to have a completely different flavor in your cheese.
0: And I know that blue cheese was largely started by monks originally. It was being oh, yeah. stored in caves. Um, and the interesting, really interesting thing about blue cheese is it's actually injected with penicillin.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 So
0: that's actually the mold that you're, is you have the cheese is started and then it's usually injected or started with it. Um, yeah. A bacterial strain of punis.
1: I like. Learn. I like to envision that the first monk that tried a blue cheese was just like, "God's gonna protect me," and then eats it. And it's just like, "Oh yeah, this is delicious," <laughs> and then all of those monks were like super healthy cause And not everyone kind of likes salad. blue
0: cheese, but I really think that um, <laughs> there's a blue out there for everybody.
1: I think so. Um, so this blue cheese is a cow. Uh, the notes in that were, that it also had the microcrystals, but oh, it did. in it the was blue so vein, good. yeah. Floral, super Mm -hmm. floral, citrusy, um, and is a no rind cheese.
0: Yep, there is no rind in blue cheese. And the really good thing about blue cheese is it's such an intense cheese that it really can stand up to things like figs. Yeah. Right? Or really dark breads.
1: Um, Pairing it with sake is a really good idea.
0: Oh, interesting. That's interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. A sake flight and a blue cheese flight would go really well.
0: That's very cool.
1: Yeah. It's good with beer.
0: And I, you know, we did this cheese tasting, but I want to encourage everyone to go ahead, try a different cheese. It can be anything you find at the grocery store that you haven't tried before. And, and tag us on Instagram and we want to yeah. see, what did you guys think? What was the name of the cheese? Did you like it? Did you not like it?
1: What are some of your favorite dairies? Yeah. What are your, some of, some of your favorite cheeses?
0: Yeah. Um, but one of the things that you have to remember before you eat cheese is it. please temper your cheese. So when you temper your cheese, the flavors change. Um, when you're eating cold cheese, you're not really experiencing the entire flavor of the cheese, right? So yeah. tempering is leaving it at room temperature. Um, I usually like 30 minutes to an hour.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a general consensus for it.
0: Yeah. And it really kind of changes Because
1: it warms the texture, up the, the fats.
0: And especially, with, yeah, it really it warms the fats up. They're not cold. Like, you know, cold butter.
1: Versus room temperature butter. Room temperature salt butter. Yeah. Like, let's be serious. Yeah. So. Try your cheeses.
0: Try your cheeses. And also know that Mm -hmm. this is like one of many episodes we'll be doing. Probably next year we'll retouch on cheeses and talk about- We'll do some different cheeses. Some more details. Yeah. Because as we know, cheese is such a big deal. And there's so much that goes into it. And Mm. there's so so much that we didn't touch on today.
1: Yeah, we're just barely scratching the surface. We could probably do a whole podcast on cheese, but we like food too much.
0: We won't. We've got too much to do. So let's talk about- Food news. Yeah,
1: food in the news. Starbucks is going to be setting up in the future that their stores will no longer be offering straws. I think this is a really good thing.
0: And I know that a lot of cities have actually talked about getting rid of straws.
1: Straws are terrible for the ocean uh, because they're such small things. They fall out of garbage bins, garbage bags, and then they end up in our ocean. And then creatures eat those straws and they can't survive because they can't live. And then something else eats them, and then they've got a straw in their gut, and it's just a bad cycle, and we don't and, need them.
0: And I, I think that like we're all trying to do better as a society and talking about recycling and doing less, and straws are just a thing we don't think about, but most of us who get coffee out or get a nice tea out or a soda out, we don't realize like how many straws and even lids to containers yeah. that we're going through each day that maybe is unnecessary. Especially
1: right? in a place where we live so close to the ocean in San Diego- like there's no reason why like we should be even more stringent on like things that end up in our ocean because we have beautiful oceans and we get a lot of tourists coming in because of those beautiful oceans so that was food in the news thanks for listening check us out on instagram dot yeah follow, follow us we on eat twitter eat a lot of really
0: great things at, in yep. san diego so if you're into eating great things in san diego and in portland this winter yep we we'll be in portland stuff. this
1: winter posting stuff on there check us out on twitter and our website eatyourfeels.com
0: yeah thanks for listening thanks guys. for listening guys thanks for caring about food and stuff bye <laughs>